0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. This MLB offseason has been crazy so far, and I had the opportunity to speak with Peter Appel from Just Baseball Media about everything that's been going on in this episode of Iggy Sports Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold up, Went into the whole team show up. Yeah. I'm a Welcome back into Iggy Sports Talk. I'm your host, Jiggy Nizuski, or Iggy for short. And man. So much in the MLB offseason has happened so far. Shohei Ohtani has gone to the Dodgers, Juan Soto to the Yankees, and so much more. But there's also a lot more moves that could happen before the season begins. And I had the opportunity to speak with the co-founder of Just Baseball Media, Peter Appel, about all the moves that have happened so far and also predicting what could happen prior to the 2024 season. And without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Peter. So, Peter. Have you been enjoying the MLB offseason so far, man? I'm enjoying it.
1: Uh, it's been busy, but busy is good. Shohei Otani, $700 million contract. That was pretty cool. Uh, we got a couple of trade rumors, but just a lot of content on our side. But overall, the offseason is a breath of fresh air, but I'm, I want the season to start.
0: Yeah, I feel you. I mean, there's always that time when the players start signing and you start getting those hypotheticals in your minds for different teams and you start imagining what the season for different teams and different players could ultimately look like. And it's sort of a weird feeling, especially at this time of the MLB offseason, like right before the new year turns over where... You're sort of just waiting for things to fully, fully pick up because as it is different from the NBA, you know, NFL, where those happen in just like a few weeks amount of time for MLB, it's it's so dragged out that like you feel like you're yearning for moves. Like it seems like each and every single week.
1: Absolutely. Like we met at the winter meetings. Right. And there was a couple of moves there. It was great. But then they start to trickle in in January and February because we do have this long off season and then the marathon of the season, right. you know, guys wait for the market to develop. Right. I think a lot of free agents were waiting for Shohei Otani to kind of set the market and then the dominoes start to fall because they say, well, if he got 700 million, my market just went up. Right. Jung Hu Lee just signed with the San Francisco Giants. Would he have gotten six years, $113 million, if it weren't for Shohei getting 700 million? Who knows? Maybe he still would have gotten it, but it certainly helped him. So I think the Shohei signing was the start, the official start of free agency.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And boy, did he set the market, as you mentioned, the $700 million. And you know, I don't know about you, I did not expect that type of number. Now, especially when all the deferral stuff started to trickle out of you know him only getting paid $680 million through the first 10 years and becoming a sort of the new Bobby Bonilla. Um, but were you surprised by the $700 million number when it was first announced?
1: Yeah, I was definitely surprised. I, I did think he would get over 500 million towards the 600 million mark so to see the seven in front of two zeros and then a bunch of other zeros was certainly big i remember i was walking my dog get the alert and i dropped the leash right just in shock right but i wasn't so surprised when i found out how they were paying him right that 700 million dollars seems to be of course parceled over 20 years, not really 10. So then it started to make a lot more sense. And we have Walker Bueller come on our show every week, right? His new teammate. And he predicted that Shohei would get $35 million as a pitcher, $35 million as a hitter. And he was completely spot on, right? That ends up being $70 million. So after doing a ton of research, I came to the realization that $700 million is a ton. It's way more than anybody else, but it's not out of the realm of what I thought was possible.
0: Right, that that makes sense, and especially if you think about it, if he didn't have the Tommy John surgery, you know, coming up, you know, we could be seeing a billion dollar contract.
1: Maybe not a billion, but more than seven hundred. I mean, a billion. Imagine that just on the ticker on ESPN Baseball Tonight, whatever you see in ten years, one billion. I mean, unbelievable.
0: But it makes me think, especially with like the deferred money, when when Shohei does start getting paid, you know, sixty eight million around that twenty thirty four range. I mean, especially if we're talking about seven million dollars for one player, i um, be curious to see if we see a hundred million dollars for one player by that twenty thirty four time frame.
1: You never know, right? We're talking about inflation here, and Alex Rodriguez when he signed the contract with the Rangers it was double the amount of the previous high the previous high contract was 126 million he signed for 252 exactly double right mike trout 426 million and a half then it just keeps climbing keeps climbing as the tv deals get bigger inflation in general right the dollar is not as doesn't go as far as it used to so i totally agree with you by the time he starts getting paid that $68 million a year, that might be the going rate for a number two starter. We don't know, right? You could say that you think that, oh, no, that's way overblown. We've seen it go up $500 million in the last 20 years, right? What is it going to be in the next 10? We right. have no idea.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious, especially, you know, the, this next offseason, you know, after this year, you know, we got Juan Soto, we got, you know, Walker Bueller's free agent as well, tons of different guys who who could who get paid big money. But, you know, especially with the deferral stuff, you know, this isn't the first time we've obviously heard about it. Bobby Bonilla, you know, also Juan Soto with the Nationals, as well as Bryce Harper. They were talked about having deferrals until they were like 80 years old or something like that. But especially with how sort of absurd this sort of setup of Otani's deal is, like, do you think MLB needs to intervene in the during the next CBA to sort of put more stipulations on this deferral process? Because I, I got to be honest, it's pretty crazy thing about that the Dodgers essentially paying Otani seven hundred million, still being able to get a Yamamoto or like a Josh Hader, and really be able to not have it affect their luxury tax or or, or their competitive balance tax.
1: I think it's important to realize that I think Shohei is a one off. Because if you think about a lot of players, for example, Seth Lugo signed a 3 or $45 million deal. He doesn't want to defer a penny, not because he doesn't want to help the Royals, but because he needs that salary. Now, it's still a lot. You could say $15 million is a lot, but these are professional baseball players. There's tons of money involved, so we can't compare them to you and I, our day jobs, right? We just can't compare. But the deferral process, so Shohei Otani is getting paid $2 million a year for the next 10 years. But you have to pretend he's making $46 million a year. And the reason I say that is that is the tax hit that the Dodgers are getting because of signing Shohei Ohtani. It's not $2 million against the cap. That's what just Shohei's camp has decided it's worth it because he makes $50 million a year in endorsements off the field. So he wanted to do the lowest possible so the Dodgers could get the lowest possible tax hit but let's not pretend that the tax hit is only $2 million. It's still 46. So in everyone's mind, pretend he signed a 12 year deal and he's making $46 million a year. That's what, or 20 year deal at $46 million a year. That's what it looks like to MLB, right? So you can say, well, the Dodgers can keep making more moves. Realistically, even if they had to do $70 million against cap, they probably still make more moves. That's the thing about Major League Baseball. There is no cap. There's a soft cap because they have to pay a ton in taxes, but an angry Dodgers team that just got swept by the Diamondbacks is going to spend way above that. But at the same time, I'm hearing so much discourse on social media about how baseball stinks now. The best teams are just going to spend the most money and win all the championships. Are we kidding, people? Are we kidding? Did we just see the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series? Have we seen the San Francisco Giants in those – Every even year, or was it odd? I don't know, but it was every other year that they were in the World Series. The Royals made it in back-to-back years. The Astros, how did they make it? it wasn't by spending the most money. It was by developing that farm system. In Major League Baseball, you cannot buy championships. You can buy regular season wins, right? Dodgers might win 120 next year. But in a seven-game series, anything can happen. That's why baseball is so beautiful. So all those people who are saying, I'm not going to watch next year if they get Otani and Glass now, Stop. Of course, you're going to. And the reason you're going to is because if I ask you a question, if let's say the Dodgers get Yamamoto, Glassnow, and Otani, and I gave you a bet, would you take the Dodgers to win the World Series or the field? And the field means the 29 other teams. You'd still take the field. Because we know that no matter if you have all the best players, you still don't win. Ask the Mets how spending all that money worked for them. Ask the Yankees how spending all that money has worked out for them. They haven't won a World Series in 2009, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone take a deep breath. Realize it's the sport we play. There's a reason we don't have a cap is because you cannot buy championships no matter how many good players you have.
0: I think with the Dodgers too, you know, it's a great example of them winning 114 games. What was it two years ago and getting knocked out in the NLDS? Like that, that's sort of, I mean, the trend that they're going on and, you know, you obviously saw the memes like throughout after the Otani signing, you know, people saying, you know, Dodgers end up losing to an 84 win team, you know, in the NLCS or whatever. One team that, you know, you brought up the Diamondbacks as a great example. I think I think it's interesting to see, especially, you know, my favorite team, the Red Sox, you know, winning just a few games less than a team who ended up ultimately making it to the World Series. But you know, the Rangers are an interesting example of like the team who did spend, you know, the billion, you know, the, the $500 million on Seager and, and Simeon, obviously those guys played a massive factor. But then you also think about DeGrom, the $35 million each year that they spent on him and he, he didn't even play. So I think obviously that balance of, you know, spending that type of money while also surrounding them with the controllable players through your farm system is definitely the best route to go about it. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's interesting to see especially the outpour uh, of, of some mixed feelings over the $700 million and, you know, the Dodgers being the big kahuna. But I got to be honest with you, it does feel like they're just like picking free agents like it's a freaking McDonald's menu or something like that.
1: We also have to realize as we sit here today, they've only got no Tani, right? Yeah. And Otani's not going to pitch next year. So they still need to add pitching. They mm-hmm. can still trade for him, right? But so could every other team. Right? Shohei went to the Giants. Farhan Zaydi came out. That deal was on the table for the Giants, but Shohei picked the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers gave him a better position to win. Now, will they win? I don't know. They're probably going to be the favorites, Mm -hmm. but how often does the favorite going into the year win? Yeah. You know where the Rangers were? Not the favorite. Diamondbacks? Not the favorite. Anything can happen in Major League Baseball. So it's going to be crazy. They're going to get all these players. Let's see them do it, right? A team like the Diamondbacks can still beat them. They aren't afraid. Yeah. And the Dodgers, all that they're going to have, they will have all the best players. They're going to have a target on their back all season long. Very true. How that works. Yeah. And as a, how that as, works. A,
0: as a betting guy, I thought you'd find this interesting. The Diamondbacks opening World Series winner odds were plus 18,000. And so, you know, when they ended up ultimately going to the World Series, I had that post ready on DraftKings, and I was even surprised myself how high the odds are. So it's it's always crazy to see how they shift throughout the season. And obviously with the 162, like it's such a roller coaster of like what could ultimately happen at the end of the year. But, you know, go, going through this next part of the offseason after Otani, you know, there's still a lot of great free agents that are still out there, but it's, it's a pretty massive drop off, especially after Yamamoto. But I wanted to take some time to sort of, you know, predict Uh, where some of these guys were not only signed, but the contracts that they might make. So starting off with Yamamoto, obviously, throughout this past week or so, Yankees, Mets, Red Sox have all met with him. Blue Jays are also in there as well. I'm curious where you're sort of feeling that, you know, he might sign in the amount of money that you're thinking.
1: So the amount of money on him keeps increasing by the day. And the reason is he is not a secret anymore. Teams have fully recognized the level of talent that he is. Evaluators consistently go over to Japan and it's all glowing reviews. I heard Jeff Passon talk about it. And uh, we've seen people talk about it. It's all this guy is the absolute real deal. So think about it. a guy with pedigree he's 25 years old with no real injury history, who can become a top 10 pitcher in Major League Baseball the minute he steps foot on whatever team. Well, would you pay that guy in the open market? Well, we just saw a 30-year-old Aaron Nola get seven years, $172 We saw a couple of years ago, Garrett Cole, around the same age, a little bit younger, but not as young as Yamamoto, nine years, $300 million, or whatever that contract was. So I would not be surprised to see Yamamoto sign a 10-year contract in the $300 million range. Don't be surprised when you see an enormous figure for Yamamoto. Now, in terms of the team, it's clear that Yamamoto has an affinity for the spotlight. That's probably a quote that you've heard. Mm-hmm. So we've started to narrow down the choices. Where does that make sense? Well, the Dodgers certainly make sense. Tons of spotlight. Otani just went over. And now Otani's going to meet with Yamamoto in their camp. That's scary for other teams. But Steve Cohen has a ton of money. So maybe he just says, whatever offer they're going to give you, I'll add $50 million on it. That could just be the deal, right? Senga is in that rotation. There's another Japanese player there, still New York, and then the Yankees. Mm -hmm. You want to team up with Juan Soto? Do you want to see what we're doing there? So, unfortunately, I would put the Red Sox in fourth. However, I would put them up over the Blue Jays, right? Because I think the spotlight in Fenway is a little bit brighter than the spotlight in Toronto. And that doesn't mean that Toronto is not a spotlight. Toronto is up there. It's the Boston Red Sox. It just that name holds a little bit more weight. So I would say those are the front four. However, I do think it will be between the Dodgers and the Mets because I think the Dodgers are going to have the best case. Steve Cohen will have the most money. And I think it's just going to be a debate between those two because I think the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to come in at the same price as the Dodgers. Dodgers will have a better sell. And what's going to tip the scales is the money at Steve Cohen. So I would say the final two in my opinion would be the Dodgers and the Mets and it's whoever gives the best pitch. And I think it's going to be over $300 million.
0: Yeah, me too. I I think it would be over the 300 million. I'm choosing the Mets mainly because, you know, you brought up the Cohen aspect, you know, he's also talked about how, you know, he enjoys the New York markets also came out today that, you know, he he's focusing more on where he wants to play rather than the amount of money that he's making. So who knows how that could play a factor. in in terms of, you know, Cohen ultimately, you know, putting up the amount of money. But then there's also the factor as well uh, that Cohen actually flew to Japan and met with him. You know, I haven't I really heard a lot of other teams have done that. But I think the Otani meeting with him as well um, definitely plays a factor. One other thing that I want to point out with the Red Sox, Masataki Yoshida, also good friends with Yamamoto. So, 100%. you know, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how the Japanese players sort of play in the factor of you know not only where he wants to play in terms of the spotlight but the comfortability aspect of being able to transition from Japan over to the United States.
1: That's why I think the Red Sox and the Yankees are much closer than Yankee fans want to admit because the Red Sox have a leg up right the Yankees might offer him a little bit more money than the Red Sox do bigger budget but the Red Sox have an edge. So and they still have the spotlight they are still the Boston Red Sox. But I think something that hurts the Red Sox chances is their record last season, because mm. I think he wants yeah. to join a winner. Not to say that the Red Sox can't be a winner last year. How many times did the Red Sox finish last, then went on to go to the world series? Like, it seems like that's just their MO. They're like, all right, we'll have one bad year and then we'll have an amazing year. So the Red Sox Sox can, I know it's tough, <laughs> but the Red Sox can easily do that. Yeah. But I think that's what's hurting him. And that's, what's hurting the Yankees too. And the Mets, right? Yep. So that's why ultimately it's hard for me to say he's going anywhere, but except the Dodgers, but Steve Cohen with Senga writes the same thing as Yoshida, even though I think Yoshida and Yamamoto are closer than mm-hmm. Senga is to Yamamoto, but it's still, if Cohen says, we'll give you 50 more million, yeah. money talks.
0: Yeah. And also, you know, we haven't really played in the factor of how much, you know, maybe Tanaka talked to y- Yamamoto about the Yankees as well. I the think Denki that Matsui plays as well. 1,000%. I think that definitely plays a factor, um, but you know, the Red Sox also came out and said that they won't join a bidding war with the Mets and Yankees. But there are just so many different factors on what ultimately could happen. But, you know, I think, you know, the the other top free agent, Blake Snell, obviously just won the NL Cy Young. Curious to see sort of the amount of money that he's going to command. You know, obviously, we saw a little bit of lack of the bulk amount of innings that he's he's been able to present over the last few years or so. But, you know, for me, I, I'm thinking, you know, Mariners, you know, hometown team. Uh, you know, they they just freed up all that amount of money with, with the Suarez trade, uh, you know, obviously with, with the Kalanick trade as well, uh, Marco Gonzalez. But, you know, I think he's going to make uh, 215 over six years.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of money, and I could see it happening. I actually think he's going to be the Boston Red Sox. I think really? that's where Snell goes, um, because I do think that Yamamoto will not become a Red Sox, but I think the Red Sox are still in. They have a ton of money. They need a starter, right? And I think every team is different. The Red Sox, I think, have an ability to gamble on a guy like Snell. And the reason I say ability to gamble is because Blake Snell has had bad years and he's had years where he's the Cy Young Award winner, right? He's a two-time Cy Young Award winner, but he's also had those years where he's got a 4 year A and you're like, what the hell happened? And he's not an innings eater, but what the Red Sox have that a lot of other teams don't is they have more depth than I think a lot of people want to give the Red Sox credit for. Carter Crawford established himself last year, mm-hmm. right? Tanner Houck can be a starter. And that's not even mentioning like Nick Pavetta taking that next leap, right? You have a lot of guys that can eat innings so that you can gamble on a guy like Blake Snell. So I think the Red Sox miss out on Yamamoto and then that's their big fish. The reason that I'm still questioning the Mariners is yes, hometown kid makes a lot of sense, but Kevin Durant was also a hometown kid with the Washington Wizards. And I'm not trying to to compare the Mariners to the Wizards, the Mariners are much better. What the Mariners have is they have an Tons and tons of pitching, right? They have more than the Red Sox. They have more than the Yankees. They have more than a lot of teams. Now, will they trade some of that pitching in order to get bats and then sign Blake Snell? Could easily happen, right? We just haven't seen that yet. But a team that has Luis Castillo, and you have all these young pitchers, and you have Logan Gilbert, and you have so many guys. Robbie Ray. is pitching. Robbie Ray is pitching where you want to spend your money, or would you rather spend it on bats? They could trade those pitchers and sign Snell and then we're having a different discussion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why I think the Red Sox are the team actually to get Blake Snell.
0: I think the Mets also play a factor as well. I, I saw something that, you know, if they don't get Yamamoto, then they'll, you know, shift their attention over to Snell. But I think that's very interesting. You know, obviously Snell had a lot of experience in playing at Fenway and playing against the Red Sox when he was with the Rays throughout the start of his career. But, you know, I, I think as well, you know, the, the next tier down, Jordan Montgomery, he's a guy that I think, honestly, is a lock to go to Boston. He's, he's actually over the winter been staying in Boston. His wife is there taking classes at BU. Obviously, the Red Sox, as you mentioned, need a starter. And, you know, Montgomery really showed – how effective and consistent he can be throughout the playoffs with Texas. And, you know, I'm tabbing him uh, five years, 125 million. I I think 20, 25 a year uh, is fair for a guy like Jordan Montgomery.
1: More than fair. I think you broke it down perfectly, right? I think they will get one of the big time starters who it is. I don't know. We're all making guesses. I think that makes the most sense. I don't really have anything to add. That contract sounds, I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then, and
0: then in terms of like obviously hitters, it's it's a little bit of a scarce sort of market out there. But Cody Bellinger at the top, big rebound year uh, this past year with the Cubs. But, you know, we've been hearing the number of 200 to 250 million dollars. You know, he's he's trying to show teams that he's back in that MVP type caliber uh, sort of form. But it's interesting with his hard hard rate percentage, career low, 31.4 percent. And I'm curious to sort of see how much confidence teams have that, you know, he'll be able to put the sort of performance they did with the Cubs last year in a consistent of, you know, sort of time frame and worth the the 20 to 25 million dollars. But I'm thinking he could maybe get like a Chris Bryant type contract. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's very likely. I think everyone's worried about, you know, what Cody Bellinger will become. And what I say is, all right, let's say he never puts up a type of season that he did last year, almost winning the MVP still a center fielder who can play first base, be dynamic, and let's say his numbers come down a little bit, right? Let's say he doesn't hit 300, let's say he hits 280, 275, right? If it's not over 30 on runs, say it's 25, right? Still stealing bags, driving in runs, playing great defense in center mm-hmm. field. We just saw what jung Hu Lee got. So he even that is being priced into the market at 200 to 250 million. That's what I think people don't really understand is that teams are not going to pay him 200 and $25 million because they think that he is that player that he was last year. They are giving him $225 million, probably assuming his numbers come down, but he's still worth that because of the market. Mm-hmm. I think, and myself included, all of us, we undervalue contracts every time. We thought Jung Huli would get 75 to $80 million. It's honestly, we think of the deal that you think it's going to be, add $50 million. That's just the market now. It's yeah. just way more than we thought. So when you see a Cody Bellinger contract come in for 225000000 million, don't think that that's the going rate for what his year was last year. That's the going rate for a decrease in numbers and still Cody Bellinger. That's what it is, right? And Cody Bellinger is a very marketable player, very popular with young people, right? Mm-hmm. Really fun, good personality. The jerseys are going to fly off the shelves. I think he's either going to be a Blue Jay. They need outfield, yeah. right? They're probably going to lose Kevin Kiermaier. They have Varsho, they have Springer, and not much else, right? I think Lukes is their starting left fielder as of right now. So I think that's a great fit, right? They've been in on everybody. That makes the most sense. Or the Cubs, just bring them back, right? Could easily see that as well. I think those are the two teams at the forefront of the Bellinger sweepstakes.
0: Yeah, and we actually saw Bellinger's wife, you know, put a, put a picture out on our story of being in Toronto. So I think that definitely like plates factor in a little bit. And I think, you know, the heavy favorite going into the year was, was the Yankees, but, you know, obviously now Verdugo and so it kind of takes him out of the conversation. But yeah, I'm very curious to see sort of the market that he'll demand and, you know, also sort of like how he's able to obviously bounce back, you know, or excuse me, uh, you know, continue to show that he is back in that MVP form. Because I don't know about you, it's kind of tough to see a guy you know, in 2019, be so good. And then, you know, dip off as much as he did.
1: 100%. It's weird. It's just, uh, you know, COVID happened, guys get hurt. They just don't open up that potential. And then once they're fully healthy, you see who they really are. Like, we got to remember, these guys are people, right? They yeah. have stuff going on off the field, right? Um, there's plenty of players that I've, you know, found out about. It's like, oh, yeah, he didn't have a bad season because he's bad. There was stuff off the field that you know, shouldn't be reported and should be held close to the chest, but puts things in perspective. Um, And that's why I think Cody Bellinger, I think he's a great player. I think he deserves a ton of money. Do I think he's the player he was last year? Probably not, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people thought thought that about Dansby, right? Mm -hmm. Dansby signed a big deal. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to regress. Very, very good, right? So we never know, right? We can make our projections based on looking at hard hit rates. And say, oh, yeah, he's going to regress. We don't really know. We can make a guess. We can make an educated guess. We don't know. Yeah.
0: I agree. The numbers don't always paint the full picture. And, you know, I think that's a great point. You never know what's going on, you know, on the, on the behind the scenes. And, and real quick, I want to shout out one of the shows that, you know, just baseball media has that I think is awesome. I've connected with, with some of the guys over there is behind the scenes. You guys do, a, they do a great job of, you know, uncovering the mental side of the game. I try to do that a little bit on this show, but like obviously also talk about the wide range of sports stuff and the deeper aspects. But, you know, I think that's something that people forget a lot about. And also I feel like the mental side sometimes can play a big, factor into the amount of contract the amount of money that you can get in some of the contracts and your mental toughness your ability to have a have a routine and ultimately not allow the pressure as we've seen sometimes happen in an la in a boston in a new york sort of like de- decrease your ability to be able to play and perform well on the field
1: 100 people want to pay for the person on top of what they can provide on the field yeah. right Choi otani got 700 million dollars not just because he can hit and pitch is the greatest athlete we've ever seen play baseball but because he's one of the most global marketable athletes that we've seen, right? So there's a lot more that goes into a contract than just the numbers on the field. Like I said, if Cody Bellinger goes to Toronto, they're going to make tens of millions of dollars off jersey sales immediately. Brand deals. Bellinger. Big-time player, right? So it's beyond just he hit this many home runs, he accumulated this many amount of war, this is what he's worth. It's much more than just
0: that i agree and you know throughout this offseason so far i think it's been you know relatively what most people expected you know especially with you know obviously otani going to the heavy favorite of the dodgers and you know not a ton of surprises in terms of soto going to new york but i'm I'm curious from your vantage point is there anything that surprised you so far this mlb offseason nothing has surprised me um And I think I
1: stopped being surprised when Jamison Tyon and Tywin Walker got 70 to 80 million. (laughs) And then I kind of realized wait a minute, I am reading this market wrong. So is it shocking to see a $700 million deal? Of course it is. But then you start to realize like it's not as shocking as you think it is, Mm -hmm. right? When you look at the rest of the market. So, no, nothing. And I know this probably is not the answer that everybody wants because it's like, oh yeah, this was a shocker. Like this was crazy. No, like 700 million is a lot. I could see how he, they got there. I could right. see why Nola got the money that he did. I could see why some of these players have been traded. I could see why Soto got traded to the Yankees. That makes sense. So nothing has surprised me so far. And Yamamoto was going to surprise me, right? I thought it might be 200 million. The more I'm thinking about, now he's going to get 300 million. And that's just put that in the back of your brain. And then when he gets 350, I'll be like, yeah, I was even under exaggerating it. Like it just nothing really surprises me anymore
0: yeah the two things i would say that have surprised me so far is just you know two teams that have been like more active than i expected and less active than i expected in terms of the baltimore orioles AL East division winner you know they Over the last two years, it's pretty surprising they haven't really like done anything like really at all, other than really Jack Flaherty at the at the trade deadline, Uh, and they just utilize the amount of guys that's coming up through their system, which ultimately makes sense. But I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't seen them put a little bit more emphasis uh, on adding to this team, especially the pitching staff, and you know, especially with you know Mike Elias over the last two years saying that they're going to put the money behind this team and then ultimately really hasn't done too, too much. And then, you know, also as well with the Braves, you know, obviously, you know, star-studded offense and, you know, th- their their ability to, you know, be one of the best teams throughout this season obviously got knocked out early on in the playoffs more than most people, earlier than most people expected. But they're, they've they been a little bit more active than I expected them to be, obviously with, you know, Dylan Cease, Shohei Otani was rumored a little bit, the Jared Kalanick trade, um, you know, Ronaldo Lopez, just different stuff like that. Um, didn't really expect them to be as active as they have been.
1: It's so funny. I, I wasn't surprised by any of that. And the reason I wasn't surprised by the Orioles is this is who the Orioles are. This is how they operate. They operate through this lens of we're going to build through the farm system. We're not going to spend that much money. We're not an enormous market. So it never surprises me when the Orioles fall flat in terms of signing free agents. It's like, this is their M.O., This is what they do. And by gaining this amount of success, what that then tells Michael Elias and their front office is this way works. So it only reinforces that point of what they're doing is the correct way to do things. On the Braves side, the Braves, I'm not surprised that they're operating in the trade market and that they're being very strategic. That's how the Braves have become the Braves, right? Signing Acuna early, Ozzie Albies early, Mm -hmm. Michael Harris early. All of these guys, early deals, early extensions. So it's not surprising that they go to get a guy like Jared Kelnick, right? Let's say he has a good year. They're going to sign him to a big time deal. Now, it might be 10 years, 100, right? They're going to be like, all right, we believe in you now, but do you want to keep going? Do you want to leave $100 million on the table? Right, you haven't proven much.
0: Kind of like, like a Aaron hey. Hicks deal.
1: Exactly. Like, that's what I feel like, the Braves are operating under their MO. They've been consistent. They want to get the good young players. They want to build you. And then they want to pay you immediately. The Orioles, they don't want to pay anybody. They just want to build this rich farm system, see all other guys compete and not spend that much money. So that's why I'm not surprised really by anybody. Cause once you learn, and I'm not saying you don't, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. saying anything about that. I'm just saying that, the more I learn about these teams is the more I'm realizing they are actually doing exactly what they've been doing their entire existence.
0: Yeah. And I, I guess it makes it a little bit easier to sort of guess on what they're going to do, but you know that definitely helps out other teams sort of try and guess as well um, in game plan and strategize. But you know, just to wrap things up, I'm, I'm curious with, with, you know, a few more months until spring training begins. Uh, what's one bold prediction that you think will happen this off season? One bold prediction
1: I think that a lot of these guys who we've heard on the trade market are all going to get dealt. And what I mean by that is there's always talk of guys in trades, and that never kind of happen. I think this is the year where it really does happen. I think Cease gets traded. I think Burns gets traded. I think Glass now gets traded. I think Randy Rosarina gets traded. I think Isak Paredes get traded. Like we don't normally see off seasons where it's like big time players. Like we might see one, maybe two, not five. That's my bold prediction yeah. is a lot of these guys who have been rumored were in normal off season is just a rumor and never actually happens. Mm-hmm. That's my bold prediction. And it may not seem bold because it's like, well, they're already in the rumor mill. A lot of them never happen. I think this is the year where all of those guys are on different teams.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially like Corbin Burns, I I think he will ultimately get down. Obviously, like the Brewers walked it back a little bit. Uh, and he, he could definitely, you know, they could wait until the trade deadline and, and still get relatively similar since he has two more years on his contract. But I agree. I think all those guys will ultimately get dealt. Won't be surprised. This isn't like a bold prediction, but Randy Orozarena and Tyler Gwaz now going to the Dodgers. Obviously, we all saw the Otani or the Ro- Randy Arena picture of him and Otani with like the eyes and everything like that sort of Instagram post. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, go along the lines of the bold prediction. And I'm going to say that. Whether it happens this offseason or whether it happens at the trade deadline, I think Mike Trout is going to see the amount of success that Shohei Otani is having in L.A., and he'll ultimately ask for a trade, whether it is this offseason or whether it is at the trade deadline.
1: You could totally see that. I think that's something that I think all baseball fans have been hoping for, get Mike Trout. And I think a perfect team for Mike Trout to go to is the Phillies. Yeah. Phillies fan, Eagles fan. They don't really have a center fielder, and they have the prospects in order to do it. I think that's the perfect team that should go get Mike Trout, come to Philly, team up with Bryce Harper, yeah. and let's go beat those Dodgers. That, think, of, think about that NLCS, bro. That's a narrative. And then, of course, you still got the Braves in there. Like People say, oh, the Dodgers are going to steal anything. Let the offseason unfold, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Let them. And the reason I think a lot of these guys are going to get traded, these teams, these big market teams, they're desperate. Yankees won 82 games last year. The Red Sox won 78 games. The Mets crashed and burned there's a lot of the giants they want to spend money the astros are they just going to let everyone else do everything there's a lot of teams that are now saying we have to make the moves now and there's a lot of big time teams so this season the way it unfolded makes me think that this offseason is going to be historic
0: yeah, I mean the Astros have been very honestly surprisingly quiet. That they're one team yeah. that we haven't really heard anything about, but they always seem to be there. Makes me think they're cooking something. Yeah. They're yeah, I agree. too quiet. I agree, but yeah, I think I think Trout against Otani in an NLCS. You know, if we're able to replicate what we saw in the championship of the WBC, you know, in two years, Otani's on the mound facing Mike Trout to ultimately advance to the World Series. Oh my God, that is prime time baseball right there. Prime time baseball. So my last point,
1: everyone mad about the Dodgers, let the offseason unfold. Let's see them win it. Let's see it, right? Let's see it.
0: I would love to see some AL teams get involved as well. Obviously, we've, you know, seen the Red Sox and the Yankees, but it seems like, you know, we brought up the the Dodgers, the Mets, the Giants, you know, all these NL teams, the Phillies, you know, the, the, I think the NL side is going to be the big kahuna. And then wh- whoever comes out of the AL is or is able to get past, you know, Rangers or or the Astros um, are ultimately going to find their way to the end. No doubt about it. Couldn't agree with you more. But really appreciate you coming on, Peter. And, you know, thanks for taking the time, man absolutely thanks for having me on i hope that you did enjoy my conversation with peter and got a little bit more of the down low on what's happened so far this lb offseason and it also helped you think a little bit about on what could happen Prior to the season but I want to hear from you let me know down in the comments or tweet at me at Jake Iggy on what has been the most surprising moves that you've seen so far this MLB offseason for me I honestly did not expect Juan Soto to go to the Yankees with all the different rumors that were swirling around I didn't expect it and I also didn't really expect how active some of these different teams have been like the Braves as well as the Cardinals but I'm so excited to see how this MLB offseason continues to materially. And I'm going to have much more people on this podcast speaking and reacting to different moves that happened prior to the season, as well as some different people previewing some different teams before the MLB season starts. A lot on this podcast, you know, I do connecting mental health and sports, which is something that I love to do, and also showing the deeper aspect of sports. But I love also talking about just sports in general and especially my favorite sport, baseball. So that's more content that I want to put more into this podcast. And, you know, I hope you're excited to see more of that content as well. But if you want to be updated on when episodes drop, make sure to subscribe over on YouTube or whatever audio platform that you're listening to right now. And also make sure to follow Iggy sports talk over on Instagram. It's at Iggy sports talk, but as always greatly appreciate everybody tuning in and I'll see you and talk to you next time. Peace.